0: Welcome to the history of the band Six Shooter, as remembered by Dave Jackson. Welcome to the history of the band Six Shooter. I am Dave Jackson. If you are new to the show, this is an actual diary I kept from being in a country band, and it's meant to be listened to from the earliest episode to the present. So if you're an Apple podcast, you're good to go. If not, Go to your favorite app, download all the episodes, and sort them oldest to newest. We're starting on October 18th. It's titled Cappies Buns and Bow Ties. The band gets a rude awakening when Lee sees that the band's name on the Cappy's Marquee for October 18th and 19th. The band was practicing for the following week, the 25th. We work with the owner, and he ends up putting us on after a mail review called California Hunks, From Columbus, Ohio. The band waits in the back as men are not allowed in the bar. As a group of 70 or so women fondle and paw at the loincloth wearing pieces of meat. When Dave hits the stage, Dave starts off the night with his Ted Nugent imitation. You know what I like. You know what I like. Mercy, mercy, I've dined and gone to heaven. I'm playing to a bar full of horny women. This evokes a Dave from Kevin. The women were sloshed. We were even joined on stage by a drunken wench that the band affectionately referred to as Bambi. She had brown hair and weighed about 45 pounds. As she jumped up on stage and began to wiggle and jiggle, John gave her a bump and shot put her halfway across the stage. Dave joined John in using Bambi as a human ping pong ball. During Bubba Hide, Dave was doing the famous James Brown arrangement. He went over and bumped with Bambi. As Dave and Bambi were boogieing back to back, Dave realizes that, well, if he moves too quickly, Bambi's going to hit the floor. When he finally maneuvers to get away, Dave feels an arm come over his shoulder as Bambi tries to keep him on the dance floor. Dave does a spin move and catapults himself back to the safe haven of the stage, being very glad to get back with his life intact. Later, during a break, Bambi helped herself to a microphone. At this point, Dave went up on stage and said, enough is enough. And later, Bambi would try to get a whole sentence out to explain that she wants us to sing happy birthday. birthday! Later, John witnesses as Bambi's female traveling partner bites her boob on the dance floor. Mm. The owner explains that things were getting a little overheated in the parking lot. The band has a blast, but without a sound check, they didn't sound as sharp as they usually do out front. Chucky works out the bugs, but the stage volume is too loud. And again, the monitors are almost completely useless. Dave has an extremely hard time hearing his backup vocals, and when he does hear them, they're pretty rough. The band performs three new songs. They were Maria," uh, Daddy's Money, and On a Good Night, which was the show opener. Saturday has the band moving the board to a new spot, and in the process, the band's sound clears up, and it sounds awesome. The band turns down the stage volume, and the monitors are heard loud and clear. Unfortunately, it's sweetest day, and the crowd is beyond shy. The band has the pleasure of asking someone to turn off the jukebox. Dave tries to get a giggle by insinuating that Madonna has a venereal disease and that's why she had a cesarean delivery of her child. He refrains from making the joke about finding missing Super Bowl rings, meaning in her hoonanny nanny. Unfortunately, Ernie the DJ is short on CDs. Of course he is. He's a DJ. And asks the band to play a little longer set. Hmm. The band enters the lovely land of improvisation on stage. They pull off a version of Boot Scoot and Boogie that must have lasted about 10 minutes. Kevin was like a quarterback calling out plays at the line of scrimmage as he announces extended version in the middle of watermelon crawl. The band pulls out a few songs off the leftover list and realize why most of them are well on the leftover list in the first place. They suck. You suck. This is not a good time for Dave to accidentally cut the song. Ain't nothing wrong with the radio in half as he puts the solo in the wrong place. However, in hindsight, This probably was a blessing because that song blows. The band can't believe the dead quiet after each song. The band would hammer out the final chords of a song, end it with a thunderous crunch, and then you would hear the chirping of crickets in the back corner of the bar. Dave receives a job offer to join a band that is playing out two times a month. I think they were called Southern Exposure or something. Anyway, he takes the guy's phone number just to be polite, but he has no intention of leaving the band. During one break, Dave accidentally steps in a puddle of drool that is formed around the soundboard as Chucky has his eyes on a lovely brunette. As a slow song starts, Dave prods Chucky to, you know, go for it. And sure enough, Chuck shoots and scores. Unfortunately, Chucky was too busy running the sound to apply the needed pressure to court this fine vixen, and she ended up sitting by another guy. But I will give Chucky a definite A for effort. And even though the crowd was dead, they did come alive by the end of the third set. The band has a lot of fun. The joy of making up a set list on stage is interesting, to say the least. And the band fields request to play some songs twice. So, well, we did. The band was even joined by Ernie the DJ for If Tomorrow Never Comes. And actually, Ernie wasn't bad at all. He puts a lot of emotion into his singing. The band is how to deduce some Skinner both nights and asks the patron what song they'd want to do, and he answers, Sweet Home Alabama. He also wants to hear mountain music by the group Alabama. In all, it was a pretty fun gig. As John put it, I had very low expectations coming in and left very glad we did this gig. October 23rd, Operation Steal Your Keyboard Player. Dave calls the guy from the band Southern Heart And here's the scoop on them. They've been apart for a while and are now reforming, which is a little different from the, hey, we're playing out twice a month story that I got at the bar. The lead singer is the drummer. They play things like Eagles, Bob Seger. I hate freaking Bob Seger for the record. And I'm sure, of course, they do keep your hands to yourself by the Georgia Satellites. Dave sets it up with Randy to come over and play this Sunday. Dave explains how Six Shooter is a tight band and he will not be leaving unless the singer, Kevin, moves to Montana. I might be moving to Montana soon, for all you Zappa people, which is a possibility. Randy says he doesn't care, he just wants Dave to hear them. Dave figures, eh, what can it hurt? While he's there, he may just mention how Six Shooter is looking for a keyboardist. (laughs) October 25th, Kevin quits. Dave calls Kevin to see about getting his amp for the Southern Heart tryout thing, and Dave is explaining how he wants to go check an Akron bar called the Shamrock. In doing so, Kevin feels he must tell Dave something. Kevin announces how lately things just haven't been as much fun. He explains the constant worries about the equipment failures the strain of screaming over a stage volume that could destroy any pigeons flying in the close proximity of the speakers, the negative attitude of John during the latest gig, the tardiness of some of the band members, and a general lack of drive is making the band situation a poor return on investment. Playing on stage is fun, but that's about the only thing that is anymore. Dave interrupts as he's been played the fool with this speech before, but only this time Kevin is not pulling his leg. And Kevin really hates to do this over the phone, but he doesn't want Dave pimping a singerless band. And Dave tries to use a salesman tactic to identify objections and asks, if we fixed the sound system and worked on your stage volume, yada, 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 would you stay? To this, Kevin says, no, it's just not fun. According to the limited sales training Dave has received, this is supposed to reveal that there is another objection that has really just not been voiced yet. Hmm. While Dave will miss singing with Kevin a lot, Dave tends to agree with many of Kevin's points. The band has been a disappointment in some ways. We've never been too efficient in learning songs. It will be very strange to be in this band without Kevin. And Dave doesn't put too much effort into trying to talk Kevin out of this decision. Dave knows that Kevin wouldn't say this without putting some thought into it. Upon hanging up the phone, Dave is not sure how to feel. He can't be mad at Kevin. As a friend, Dave wouldn't want Kevin to do something he no longer enjoyed. In a selfish way, Dave is not happy about being in the situation of finding a replacement. And it's very strange. John and Dave had discussed this earlier in the week at lunch. Apparently, John had picked up a vibe from Kevin. John announced that if Kevin ever left, he'd just call his buddy Dan, whom he explains is a real pain to work with at times, and form his old rock band. Dave isn't really big on the idea. Without being an egomaniac, Dave feels he's talented enough to hold down the role of lead guitarist. Consequently, a band with Dan would probably not include Dave. Kevin is going to wait to tell John, so... Dave can't tell John and say holy crap Kevin quit Dave ponders the thought of joining a blues band something he's always wanted to front Dave isn't really worried he'll examine his options and he'll choose the best one is Kevin gone for good is he really going to quit the band subscribe at historyofsixshooter.com